today, it's, the, it's a new month. Wow, it's already March. Come on. <clears throat> March 2019, can you believe it? Uh, you better, because it is. Um, so, today and next Sunday, um, kind of, this, this month is going to be a kind of a mishmash of different things, and uh, I'm sharing a couple things today with you that I'm going to share with you again next Sunday, just these two Sundays, and I'll give you the title in a moment, but I'm going to share with you two other things before I get to my message, (coughs) and um, the first thing is that I I want to share with you is I want you to to be thinking about the word excitement. When you look at that word, well, the the word we're going to look at in the Bible, the two words in the Bible are rejoicing and joyful. And when you look either of those words up, one of the synonyms of each of those words is excitement. And so, I want you to begin in your own personal life to begin to to define for yourself what it looks like to be excited. And I'm going to tell you this, emotionalism and excitement are two totally different things. Because you can be emotional for a moment and appear to be excited, but you can be excited for a lifetime, even at times when things aren't totally going your way, because of where the excitement, the rejoicing, the joyfulness comes from. So you'll find this in, in, in this passage of Scripture. You go look at it for yourself. It's in, found in 2 Timothy. No. In Second Thessalonians chapter five, and um, <clears throat> verse 16, 17 and eighteen, and the sixteenth verse is two words. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, and it says, "Rejoice always. Rejoice always." Be joyful always. Be excited always. And it goes on to say two other things to be. It says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to talk about being excited, about rejoicing and being joyful, full of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength, the Bible says in the Old Testament, in Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In that passage in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord came from the word that Ezra was teaching to the people. From the word came the joy of the Lord. But I'll tell you this, write this down and download this inside of you. Rejoicing, being full of joy, and being excited is a day-to-day, situation-to-situation choice that you have to make 
based on who you are and what you know. That's why we have to know God. We have to have a personal relationship with God to be able to rejoice always. How often is that? That's every minute of every day. How do you do that? I don't know. But he said it's his will for us to do that. and He wouldn't tell us to do something that we can't do. Think about this for a moment. What does that type of excitement deliver you from? If you're not excited, you're what? In the mully grubs, talking bad about somebody, right? Complaining, moaning, and groaning, all these different types of things that we find ourselves doing that are very easy, but they're choices every day. But see, the reason you're here in church is because you're being challenged to make a change. I'm challenging you from today on to make a change and to begin to develop inside you what it means to live a joyful life. To be able to rejoice always and not be a complainer. What that really and truly looks like. Another verse of scripture found in Philippians 4.4, it says, rejoice always. Oh, and if you didn't get it, again, I tell you to rejoice. Rejoice always, and again, I say rejoice. So what is he saying? Rejoice always, rejoice always, rejoice always, rejoice always, rejoice always. How often? Always. Rejoice always because that's the will of God for your life, to rejoice always. And then in Psalm 5 and verse 11, if you can put that on the screen for me, Psalm 5 and verse 11, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. All of that verse of scripture is talking about a person that does what they do because of their relationship with God. Notice, let all those who rejoice put their trust in you. You can't trust God if you don't know God. You you can be born again and have a knowledge of who God is, but not know him, right? You can shake hands with somebody for the first time and meet them, but you don't know them. You know them by words, by interaction, connection. That's what God wants with us. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. When you know God defends you, then nobody can hurt you. If God be for me, who can be against me? Absolutely nobody, nothing in any way, shape, or form. If God is for me, nobody can be against me. We have to know that. And people that know that can rejoice. You can make a decision to rejoice because when it looks like God's not defending you, no, God can't lie. It's not that God could lie, but he chooses not to. No, the Bible says he can't lie. And if he said he would defend me, then he will defend me. Even when it doesn't look like it, no, man, glory to God. Boom, what a great day it is. Huh? It doesn't matter what they said or this thing or this situation or this happened in the natural. No, glory to God, I'm making a choice today to rejoice and be glad and be joyful. Amen? To be excited. Remember, 
Excitement and emotionalism are two totally different things. Emotion is for the moment. Excitement can be forever if you choose. I choose to be excited. How many are excited today? Choice. Amen? It's a choice. So, (coughs) excuse me. So, this year we have um, the vision, that's the first thing I was going to share with you. This is the second thing, and then I'm going to give you my message. This year, in in our Vision Sunday, we talked about clarity and we talked about the open door the opportunities that come our ways when when things are clear of who we are and who God is and what God is showing us and saying to us it's vital that we know how to operate that way in our life we shared those things with you and, and um today <clears throat> as i go through a, a just a couple of different scriptures um in Matthew 28 In verse 18, it tells us to do something. There's my water. Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Go. Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples of all nations. God needs you and I to make disciples of nations. What, what, what are the nations? From here to everywhere. That's the nations. Um, <clears throat> a week ago, we were in Phoenix, Arizona. 20 people from this church body went as, as a team to just kind of spy out the land, learn some things, get familiar with connecting with different types of people because God's called us to the nations. What, 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 what are the nations? From here to everywhere, right? To, from here to wherever God leads you to go, where we're, we're, we're to go. And we have to understand that. Um, <clears throat> we're we're at, at Gates of the City, we're, we're becoming a more active part of going to the nations. We'll do that forever. But um, from here on out, after this trip that we took to other places, but it doesn't take away from the nation starting with your next door neighbor. And I'll just say this to you, and it's, and it's vital that you understand this, because what I'm going to share today, my message today, which this isn't it, but it'll add to it, um, you have to understand these things before you can, before you can get behind what I'm going to share with you today. Um, The nations are people, <clears throat> and you, you can't effectively be ministering to and discipling more than about two or three people personally yourself. I'm talking about effectively. You can touch a lot of people. I, I've, I always have a top ten list of people that I'm aware of everywhere I'm going, but, 
but at, at a specific time, I've got it boiled down to, I'm talking about people that aren't saved, I've got two or three that I'm actively sowing things, I'm praying for, I'm aware. When I go wherever they're at and they don't even realize what I'm doing, I'm actively sowing things into their life, doing something to be a blessing in their life. But God has to have every person have the revelation that the nations start with your neighbor. And your neighbor is everybody else but you. Your neighbor can be a family member. Your neighbor can be, you know, people that live in your own house. When he's talking about neighbor, he's talking about uh, people that you're called to minister to and be a blessing to. When When I say minister to, I'm just talking about your life being there as a support to help other people and be a blessing to others. If you live your life for yourself, you will live bored because God didn't create you to live for yourself. God created you to trust him that he'll take care of you and for you to be about others. That's the way God created us. All through the Bible, we've taught that many, many years. This is our 30th year here at Gates of the City. Come on, shout amen, somebody. <clears throat> We're going to celebrate that this summer. The 14th of July, 1989, my wife and I became pastors of, uh, what was it called? Oak Hills Bible Church. <clears throat> And then it became Conquest Christian Center. And now it's Gates of the City. Amen? 30 years we've been here. Awesome. Man, I'm excited. Everybody, everybody smile and say, I'm excited too. I'm just helping you. I'm helping you rejoice and be glad. But, but you have to understand that ministry starts from within, practicing on people. And, and, and so often, ministry starts with practicing on people and with people that you may not even like, people that don't think the way you do or that they, 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 they don't like and have preferences like you, but you learning to step out of your comfort zone and just be a blessing to somebody else. A lot of people don't know how to do that. A lot of people are intimidated by that. You don't have to preach it, people. That's the last thing you need to do. You, you, just, just be there and be able to connect with someone. How, how do you connect with people? You make them feel like they're welcome in your presence. Somebody's in your presence and you're staring them like this upside and down, looking at it, look what they're wearing and all that. I mean, the, the, you think they're going to feel what, something, you know? Feel like running. But when you accept them like they are, no matter what, there's something that just changes. And that's what God wants out of us. That's what he wants from us. <clears throat> um, but, but you have to understand that your going has to start somewhere. And Old Testament, we've talked about this a bunch, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm just going to say this. Old Testament, where God's eyes and his heart were, were on his house. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, now that the house of God is the church. And to boil it down even farther, Ephesians 1 says that the church is his body. So you being a, a member of the body of Christ, but yet if you're connected to the body of Christ, then you are the body of Christ when you go. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Uh, um, 
Go into H-E-B and make disciples of all nations if somebody's doing something like that. Go into Starbucks and make disciples of all nations. Um, uh, Somebody give me another one. Go go into Big Lots and make disciples of all nations or whatever it is, right? And then then you can say, well, you know, I, I was at the mall in San Antonio. You go into the malls and make disciples of all nations. How do you do that? By just being a blessing to people. You go to San Antonio, maybe you go to Austin or Dallas or outside the state or outside the United States. But when you go, you've got to be connected to something that's bigger than you are. And that is the house of God, which is the church, which is his body. So when you go in body form, there's something backing you up. Now, everybody that's here today that went to Arizona, just stand to your feet real quick. If you went to Arizona this this last week... Okay, <clears throat> now, this would be a strange question I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to ask you this way. Um, raise your hand if you didn't feel like when you went, and I mean it, raise your hand, that you didn't feel like, you didn't feel like you were connected to something bigger than you. And I, I want an honest hand. If you didn't feel like you were connected to something when you went, lift your hand. So everybody lift your hand and said, I felt like I was connected to something. Would you say amen? And what happened was we were going thinking we were just going to receive from other people and help what was going on, but we were there for them. Why? Because we're connected to the house. Thank you. <clears throat> We're connected to the house, okay? So you can do that in a group or you can do that as an individual. You go, okay? When you go, you have to be connected to where God's eyes, what God's eyes are upon and where his heart is. And his heart is on, his eyes are on and his heart is in his house, which is his church, which is his body. This is, the, this is the church of Jesus Christ here at Gates of the City. There's congregations like this that are meeting all over the United States, all over the world, and, and they're bodies of believers that believe in Jesus Christ, right? And when you're connected to a house, when you go somewhere, you're going with that strength and power. Well, what, what empowers the church? All of heaven. Jesus left the comforts of heaven, the riches of heaven, to come to the poverty of this earth so that we could be rich and empowered in all things. And where is he today? At the right hand of the Father, representing you and I in all that we do. Folks, we live in a win-win situation. You cannot lose when you know what you're connected to. Well, Pastor, you know, I'm connected to God. I don't know about all that church stuff. Well, I mean, it would be easier if we could all just individually be connected to God and not have to deal with all the other stuff. But he didn't say that. we got to go with what he said. And he didn't just say it once or twice. He said it all through the Bible, right? It's the church. It's the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ that matters. Now, I'm going to say that again before I go into my real message. Um. The house of God in the Old Testament, it said that God's eyes were on the house and his heart was in it. He's all about it. 
in the New Testament, the house now becomes the church of God. So this is the house of God, but not, not the structure building. Yes, this is where the house of God meets. This is where we meet. But if it was just a building sitting here and none of us ever came here, would it be the church? Absolutely not. It'd be, it could be a, quote, church building or a place where people could meet, but it becomes that when we meet here. But it's vital that this place is right and connected and things are right here as we leave here and as we go out. It's vital. So the church is his body. So you're part of this today, but here in a few minutes you're going to get up you're going to walk out that door. You're going to go to the rest of your world. And if you're connected here, when you go there, you have all of heaven backing up what you're doing because you're connected to something bigger than you. I've preached that for 30 years. I'll preach it until I'm finished here on planet Earth, and I believe it. And my prayer is every day for you that you get it, that you get what I'm saying to you. Now, ready for my message? And I'm just going to barely get into my message today, but I'll finish it next week. <clears throat> so, if you've not, I'm not going to go into detail along this line, but if you've not been here very long and you've never heard what I'm fixing to say, I can promise you, you can go to our website to our podcast and go and listen to the last probably four years of provision for the house offering months where we had we talked about provision for the house and I've talked about this for years and I'm not going into detail uh, I'll probably share a little bit more next Sunday but I'm not going to go into detail about it right now I'm just going to tell you what what the Bible says and what we've taught along this line but <clears throat> the ministry the church is to bring vision for people's lives. Well, we had our Vision Sunday and we shared with you about <clears throat> what God is saying for this year, for not just, but not just this year, but just this time, this season that we're living in, about us seeing clearly and hearing clearly and knowing exactly what God is saying to us and knowing that. He said we can, we can be clear in, in the things that we're hearing. And I shared with you that God spoke to me that the door is open. And then he said to me, not too long after that, that the door has always been open. The door of opportunity is open and has always been open for people and for, for your lives. <clears throat> and so the ministry, the priesthood, is, is what fivefold ministry is considered from the Old Testament. In the New Testament, fivefold ministry is what we call it. Evangelist, pastor, teacher, prophet. Uh, apostle, uh, those, uh, those fivefold ministries God has set throughout the body of Christ to help bring things together so people can be equipped and built up and strengthened to accomplish all that we were, are called to do. And that's what our body has done all these 30 years. We've had people from the outside for years and years come and, and share and build and strengthen and make who we are who we are today. And, um, and, and the vision is for the kings or the people in the marketplace to provide provision. Vision brings provision. And as a king, as a, as a marketplace uh, 
somebody in the marketplace working and owning business and those kind of things. Um, the first, well, I'm going to say it like this. It's vital that kings in the marketplace increase. It's vital as a king. If you're a marketplace person, which most people are in the church world, most people are marketplace and, and entrepreneurs, and the Bible calls them kings in the, in, in the world. And it's vital that kings and marketplace people increase. It's vital. And the number one law of increase, the number one law of increase, it's vital that you increase, and the number one law of increase is put God first. Amen. And you have to understand that. I, I, I promise you that Most forms of higher education will not teach you this. Higher education is very important. Very important that we succeed and that we have knowledge of things and, and that we grow in our knowledge. But we can't grow without the knowledge of God and who God is and the revelation of his word because if you separate and you take God out of the knowledge that you have, then what happened, the Bible, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says knowledge on itself, just in itself, will puff up. Make people think that they're more than they really are. When all of us have been created in the image of God, I don't care how much you have, how, much, how little you have. I don't care, you know, where you were born. I don't care the color of your skin or anything else. Everybody was created in the image of God, and in God's eyes, we're all equal. Male, female, I don't care what it is, we're all equal in the things of God. All of us what the Bible says. But as those bringing provision, um, you have to understand that God has to be first. What Jessica shared earlier regarding the tithe, what happened was she wasn't putting God first, and there was immense issues and trouble in her life financially. And as she began to put God first, as she brought the tithe into the storehouse, Malachi 3 says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse and prove me that I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that there's not room enough to receive. So the question is, with kings and people in the marketplace, are you proving God? He said for you to prove him. What does that mean? He's telling you to test him. Put him up against the test. And like Jessica said earlier, and you've heard me say this many, many times, God's not after our money. What I'm saying to you today has very little to do with money, has everything to do with your heart. Proverbs 3 and, uh, and verse 9. Proverbs 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, you know, we don't, not many of us talk about vats. You know, you could say barns there. You can say 
bank accounts, you can say investments, you can say all kinds of things. You, you got to take what they're talking about from a farmer's perspective, okay, and apply it to where you're at today. And he said, go back to verse 9, but the key to it is honor the Lord with your possessions and, and the first of what you do. When you honor God in the tithe and the first of what you do, what you're saying is, Lord, I'm choosing to believe that you can take what I'm doing out of obedience and turn around and make things happen in a supernatural way that I've never seen before. That's what you're saying. In, um, in um, Luke chapter 16, and I think it's about verse 9 or 10, it says, if you're faithful in little, God will make you ruler over much. Well, when you honor God, remember, the first law of increase is first and foremost honoring God. And when you honor God first and foremost before everything else, and you honor God and do that, he said, that, little, that small portion of your 100%, which is 10%, there's another 90 that, that you're in control of to do what God tells you to do with it. In that, in, in that control, as you honor God in the ten, he's saying, if you're faithful with little, I'll make you ruler over much. Why? Because you can be trusted. See, the whole issue of money is a trust issue. See, you, money is a bad God. The Bible instructs us, money is a bad God. It's great to have, but it's a bad God. And the Bible says to us, you can't serve God and money. You can serve God and have money, but you can't serve God and money. Money can't be a God. It can't be the thing that leads your life. Many years ago when, when I was, we lived down in the Rio Grande Valley, and I, I'd been given a, a, a really good job opportunity that was going to make me a lot of money. I mean, a whole lot more money than I was making in the Rio Grande Valley. And, uh, and not only was it going to make me more money, it was an exciting opportunity. Everybody say exciting. exciting. Say, I'm excited. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and um, I thank God for a great wife, a great wife. Um, yes. I thank God for a great wife that would actually speak to me and kind of remind me she didn't say it in these exact words, but in so many words, there's a huge difference in emotionalism and excitement. And uh, great, 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 great opportunity. I mean, it, it just looked like everything. Tons of money. I mean, it was going to be exciting. Living in a couple of different places, it was going to be a great, great opportunity for me. And, uh, and we prayed about it, and, and I knew it was wrong, but ooh, my emotions wanted it. But out of that, the Lord said to me, never move anywhere for a dime. Never move for a dollar, ever. Only move because I say. Now, is God going to lead you someplace for less and keep you in less? Not if it's God. No. God will always take you to a higher place, always. But never allow yourself to be deceived that something looks a certain way when it really isn't. In result of that situation, the guy that was going to hire me about 
I, don't, I want to say it was two or three months after he was going to hire me, he got busted on some major drug, uh, major drug hauling. He was, he was selling drugs out of the back of a, out of the back of an LTD at a Denny's parking lot and making big money. And he got caught. He sold it to feds and they, they busted him and he got caught. And I could have, we could have been there when all that went down and no telling what would have happened. See, that's why you have to follow what God says. See, when you're connected to the church and you have vision flowing to you and you realize that you're a visionary that is providing provision to enhance and move forward the vision of God, and, and that's first and foremost, then God's all about everything else that you do. And the Bible's really clear that it won't produce if the house of God, which is the church, which is his body, is not advancing financially, and your house is, and the house of God is not advancing because people don't have this revelation, then it won't be good for the people. And there's no way for you to know this unless I teach it to you. It's not an easy message to teach, but you have to know that. You have to know, number one, that it has nothing to do with trying to get your money. It has everything to do with your heart being turned toward God and you seizing the opportunities that are presented. Every year at Gates of the City, we... Every year for a while now, we've had a provision month, and we've had a provision Sunday where, um, where we've had a, had a project or something that we're working on, and then we've presented that and given you the opportunity to give into that. Down in the, in the front, you, you know, last year we, where we uh, put in the concrete and the entrance and widened the entrance uh, of that. Thank God for that, it's better, but, but there's a lot more in the front that needs to be done and accomplished. And we're going to do something a little bit different, and like I said, I'll talk about it a little bit more next Sunday, and you'll hear about it just periodically. You'll hear some testimonies of people that have given into provision for the house in the past and different, and different things, and, and you'll hear more information on this as we go. But we're going to do something a little bit different, and today... What we're presenting to you are provision projects. <clears throat> and this is phase one of our provision projects. And you're going to hear about it, and, and, and you'll hear about what we're doing. You're going to hear about, the, about how, uh, how we're progressing in that and where we're at. And our desire is to complete this in the front of our property, which is the beginning portion of our erosion control. Anybody ever noticed as you drive up how everything's draining down the side and it's just getting lower and lower and lower in a deeper hole? And, you know, you've probably driven up and thought to yourself, I hope my car doesn't fall down in there, you know? <clears throat> I mean, it, it, it's kind of a deep hole. And so we've got some erosion issues, but they're, they can be fixed and not that, not, at not that much money. I mean, it's going to take a certain amount, but it, 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 it's a doable thing for us. And so that erosion control and then uh, the beginning portion of, of land clearing and landscaping in the front. Um, we want the house of God, which is the church, to be presented in a way that people um, 
want to drive on this property. And, you know, with, our, with that concrete in the entrance opening up, it looks a little bit better, but it doesn't look like it could look to people. And, and we want the front of our property to really look well. We want things to look well. We want you to be, uh, appreciate what it looks like in the front. And so this phase one of, our, of this provision project is something that we're going to do and expecting to finish that by June, by June of this year. So that front and what, the part that we're talking about right now will be completed by our 30-year anniversary celebration in July. And, um, you know, in, in, in Exodus chapter 35, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories about things that were built, um, but in Exodus 35, when they went to build the tabernacle and, um, in, in the wilderness, it says in the 35th chapter, in the fourth verse, And this is who God's always looking for. 35 and 4. It says, Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, they were building the tabernacle, they were building the, the, the church, the place where the Ark of the Covenant would be, where God's presence would be. He said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, take from among you, verse 5, an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, as an offering to the Lord, whether gold, silver, bronze, whatever it is. Let him bring that offering to the Lord. So over the next few months, <clears throat> March and April and May and June, any time that you desire to sow into this provision project, you can sow. You may have something you want to pray about. It may be you know, something that is farther down the road that you can do. But as you're praying about this, and you're desiring to sow into the house of God, which is the church, which is the body, because the body has vision of connecting with the world. As you're sowing into it, it will only enhance and make your life even that much more. See, it was those of a willing heart. So God's not looking for everybody, just those who hear what I say and have a willing heart and a desire to sow. That's it. Not, nothing else. No, no, nobody in this church will follow you around or be mad at you if you didn't sow a seed or you didn't do what you... No, no, no. We're just giving you the opportunity to be everything I just got through talking to you about, increasing as kings in the marketplace and all that you do, new opportunities coming your way like you've never seen before. I'm giving you the opportunity to sow into that because God said, set it up this way. In the 20th verse of this same chapter, again, they're building the temple in the 20th verse, and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. They brought the offerings, and over the next few months, you'll have the opportunity to bring offerings that you desire to sow because you want to see your life increasing. Why? When you get under the, under the umbrella and the revelation of giving to receive to give, then you want to increase so you can give more to receive more, to give more to receive more, to increase your whole life, the fruits of righteousness. God doesn't want you sowing your bread. He wants you being obedient to sow what he tells you to and watch your bread increase. 
Your bread is everything else you have. Number one law of increase, put God first. Bar none. Can you say amen? New Testament, <clears throat> New Testament in the, in the form of giving, found in, um, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And actually, I'm, I'm just going to start reading in verse 5. <clears throat> and this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And they were giving offerings to him and to people in, in uh, gave, giving offer, offerings to the Macedonians. And he said in verse 5, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previ- previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Gosh, I like those words. But notice verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his own heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. Can can you switch that verse 7 to the amplified for me real fast? Uh, uh, Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Let each one give as he's made up his own mind, purposed in his own heart. Let each one give as he's made up his own mind and purposed in his own heart. You just make up your mind. I'm sharing with you today and next Sunday, and I'm I'm sharing with you on purpose, and you make up in your own mind what you want to do and do it, and you watch God. He said, prove me, test me that I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing. There's not room enough to receive. I'm just telling you what he said, right? And he said, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. Nobody pressuring you, nobody making you, nobody looking over you, nobody calling you if you didn't do something right. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, That sounds exciting. A cheerful, joyful, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. You know, you know what happened if you read in the next chapter when they were building the tabernacle? Moses had to say, eh, stop, no more giving. It's all come in and even more. You ever heard anybody do that with an offering? <laughs> Why? Because Moses taught them, he spoke to them like I'm speaking to you today. He let them have the time for God to speak to them because all that really matters is what God tells you to do, not what you think you should do, or not what somebody's pressuring you to do like right here. He said, "Those who the prompted do it giver whose heart is in what he's doing, that's where you see the return. That's where you see it come to you. Not any other way. Can you say amen to, you today, to that today? Amen? So, New Testament, this is the type of giving that God is looking for. Prompt to do, heart-filled, purposing to do something because God has told us to do it. Now, let me ask you this. Is it wrong? Don't don't answer in case you're wrong. 
Um, is it wrong to give something with, an, with a reward attached to it and you know there's a reward? And it, just think about it. Is it wrong to do that? You remember when, when David had gone to check on his brothers, King David? Well, he wasn't King David then. He was just a shepherd boy in the, out in the wilderness watching over his father's sheep. And you remember he came around and they said, um, uh, King Saul has offered this and that and the money and his daughter to anybody that will shut that giant's mouth, in other words. And David heard that, and he went back and he asked again. And he, he'll give his daughter? <laughs> I'll get his daughter and the money. And, you know, he went back and asked again because there was a reward attached to it. But how many know in here today, there was a, a reward attached, but David wasn't after the reward. David was so angry because that giant was defying the armies of the living God. See, what was leading him was in his heart. But it's okay to know there's a reward attached to it. When you put God first, he said what? Prove me that I'll not open up the windows of heaven. Malachi 3.10 is not just the tithe. If you read the two verses before, it has to do with the offerings also. As you bring those offerings to the Lord. Because it's something that God wants to do and complete. This is a whole package thing. This provision project that we're talking about right here, this first phase of this provision project, it's all tied to everything that we're about for people. We're called to the nations. Our next door neighbor and everywhere else. We're called to do and to be who God created us to be. And to accomplish that, Things have to be right in the house. It's not right. All right, all right. I just got to say this to you real quick. What time is it? It's getting late. All right, I'm telling you this as a pastor, okay? And I'm, I'm not, I don't feel any way about this whatsoever. But it's taken this church a long time to do some things but I'm good with it. I'm not good with something being prolonged just for the sake of it being prolonged, but things haven't been right to do until the last couple of years. Things have been increasing in this body in the last couple of years because of some things that we went through and walked through, which is fine. doesn't matter what it was. Everybody walks through something. But as a body of believers, we're, we're in a time and a season and a moment where the door is open and opportunities are here for us, and we're stepping in and seeing some of the manifestation of God's glory like we've never seen. In ministry, number one, to people. Why? Because we put God first. And when you put God first, then, man, you get involved in something. And listen to me. What I, the reason I shared that excitement thing, that joyful thing with you, when you get involved and excited about advancing the house, the church, the body of Jesus Christ, when you get really excited there, I mean, you can't shut that excitement down. It's a nonstop. It's easy to make a decision to rejoice. 
even when things may not be working in the moment, it's easy to rejoice because you're so much about what God is wanting to do and to build. God wants to build you more than you want to build you. God wants to advance you and increase you more than you want to increase. In every area, I'm not just talking about financial, I'm talking about in every way. The way to do that is you put God first. First and foremost. I'm going to give you another law of increase next week. I was going to tell you what it was, but I'm not. Now you've got to come back. So I'm ending with Psalm 115, and I'm actually going to be through. Hey, it's just not even 12 o'clock yet, and I shared three messages with you. Pastor's doing a good job. Glory to God. What did I do now? Okay. Psalm 115 and verse 12. Gosh, I love this passage of Scripture. The Lord, just, just close your eyes as I read this to you and just think about, think about God right now. The Lord has been mindful of us, of you. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless the house, he will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth is given to the children of men. Verse 15 again, or verse 14 again, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. I believe that for you today. I'm giving you just some things to meditate and to think on. Again, the things that I shared with you today, there's no pressure, but there is a willingness to do and to meditate and and do exactly what God tells you to do. You're a part of this body. God wants you to do whatever he tells you to do, not what someone else is doing or what you think you should do, but what God wants you to do. And I just encourage you from now, there won't be a Sunday when we receive an offering. You just have the opportunity to give toward this one project. And we'll let you know um, next week what that, that project is. And we'll let you know along the way how it's increasing and how it's becoming accomplished and done and, and finished. Um, and, and, and I'm just excited about what God is doing in the earth and what he's allowing us to be a part of here at Gates of the City. How many can say amen to that?